Hello everyone, I'm Samir Prince and this is Path to the Pros, a series of video sessions where we sit down with some of the most talented and successful execs in sports entertainment, learning about how they've got to where they are and what it takes to become a pro in their field. Today I'm sat with Steve Ziff, uh, a sports marketing genius to say the least, uh, who's worked for the likes of the LA Chargers, the Washington Commanders and the Jacksonville Jags, just to name a few. Steve, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Samir. Appreciate it. No problem at all. So let's dive straight into things. Um, taking us back right to the start, Steve. Um, how did you first get into sports? Yeah, really tangentially, actually. So I'd, um, I'd started my career in college in youth marketing, working for uh, a couple of different companies in an agency. And at one point in time, when I was at this agency early in my career, I made a very a deliberate approach to try to jump into sports and entertainment. And back at that time, it's like the dawn of email. I started sending emails. I wrote letters. I made phone calls at six in the morning because that's when you were told you could get executives on the phone. And everything, everywhere I went from literally every team on the Eastern seaboard and through the Midwest, I got a resounding no. <laughs> and so it didn't take at that time. I wound up staying in the marketing side, working for this agency and going on to work for a corporation. Uh, and then I was able to, uh, through a very unique relationship that I had at that point when I was at Office Depot, uh, get introduced to the president of the Florida Panthers, uh, Michael Yormark, and uh, it turned into a job interview. And uh, away we went. Yeah, nice. And uh, just talk to us about that shift then, obviously going from a retail environment to a sports environment, obviously would have been more to it than, you know, just having met with, um, met with an exec that you wanted to work with. But what was the kind of reason that you, you know, took that, I guess, in some respects, a bit of a risk or a bit of a jump to try and do something a little different? What was your thought process behind that? Yeah, you know, it was really, it was an extraordinary learning opportunity to have the benefit of starting my career at an agency that was dynamic and unique and fun and vibrant. And we were working on all kinds of different marketing programs with a wealth of clients from Verizon Wireless at that time to Volkswagen. It was a really great starting point to have started at an agency and then to refine those skills inside the lens of a Fortune 100 company in the box, you know, deliberately in the box marketing pens, ink and paper at Office Depot was a really interesting learning lesson about how to build a retail marketing presence, how to be very deliberate in a planning approach as long haul. And I'm probably a little bit more wired for the wild side of life. And so I really, you know, while I was enjoying the learning opportunity of working at a big brand, I knew that I wanted to still kind of at some point stoke that fire and get back into more of a freewheeling creative environment. And again, like the sports opportunity just showed a path. They were actually looking for a lot of the skills that I had been refining um, at a corporation and needed that type of support and lens at the table to help them work with big brands and identify weaknesses and opportunities to build ROI. And uh, we were kind of matched up really nicely at that moment. And that's what led us to each other. Very nice. And you've been in the industry for uh, a fair amount of years now. Uh, I don't want to say too too many years. But... I think you're aging me with that comment, but I'm, <laughs> I'll let it go. I'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, what, what would you say, Steve, have been your, uh, your biggest achievements in your career to date? You know, it's, it's 100% one thing and one thing only. Uh, it's all the people that I've had the benefit of working with and and have had the benefit of learning from and also helping grow in their careers. And I'd say the most pleasing thing and probably the most notable thing about my career is that everywhere I've ever gone, somebody, at least one person has wanted to come along and be a part of that journey. Nice. And nothing, I think nothing speaks louder to me than, 
than that, right? That I'm able to at least put some positive spin on, you know, what I'm doing with people and help them. And that that's always an attractive thing to somebody else. But also I think similarly for me, it's all the people that I've had the benefit of working alongside as counterparts and then working for as leaders to learn from. And sometimes, you know, I think a lot of people get a little perplexed by, you know, the number of jobs that you have and they look at that. Some people have a lens to that being a crutch. And I honestly think it's probably been one of the most fortuitous opportunities because I've had the benefit of seeing and specifically working for now seven straight CEOs and presidents. I've had the ability to look at how all of them lead and refine my skills based on having many approaches to one path, one thing rather than one approach exclusively to learn from. So to me, it's been a godsend to have all of these different opportunities and work with all of these very talented, unique people and learn how to be a better leader sometimes from them and sometimes from the watch outs. But I think ultimately um, that's been one of the greatest hallmarks in my career is really the people on both ends of the spectrum. Great to hear, man. Great to hear. And is there any advice that you would give to any of the, a lot of the listeners of this will be, you know, young people that are either looking to get into the industry or um, in a somewhat uh, similar role at the moment and looking to make a transition. What what advice would you give to any of those people that are you know looking to to make that transition into sports uh, from another industry? Yeah, I think the number one. Obviously, I get asked that over the years a lot, and and I've tried my best to be as open to as many people as I can to help them because I know ultimately we we have to keep helping people. You know, not only get in the industry, but also just listen to people and, and acknowledge right. them. Right? People need to feel heard and be seen. I think the biggest thing I can say is there's no secret sauce. Honestly, a lot of it's luck. I'll be honest with you. I'm probably more lucky than I am intelligent. But the reality is, is that I think there's a combination of being um, of having different skills and not just be a one trick pony. Right. Having the ability to learn in different environments and push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, if you want to work in sports because you have a, a deep passion for sports on a personal level. And the most important thing you can be to that company and recognize when you're young is that you're really just potential. If you can go off and create value for yourself and be skilled and, and unique in at least some function of what we do as a business operation, if that's the end of the spectrum you're on, you can be you can be very important to a company that that performs in that arena. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people, you know, are really are just passionate about being a part of it. We don't need all the passion we need the skill, right, to improve our operations. So I think it's about making sure you're as much learned as you are passionate. And you can do that in a lot of places. So I think sometimes it's really important. I say the best advice I can give anybody is when they're young, go work for an agency, right? Yeah. That's a great place to start your career and work on a wealth of different projects and see how brands do things, but in an environment that's safe and built for the learning experience. And then transfer that, in, that energy into the sports universe when the time comes. That, that was the greatest thing I could have ever helped my career. If I had not done it that way, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, you learn a lot in that space, don't you? Uh, the exposure that you get, the people that you get to meet with and speak with, it's, yeah, a great a great place to start. Um, okay, moving on from that, um, you know, junior to kind of mid-level and maybe taking that step from a mid-level role and looking to get to an SVP or get to, to that kind of C-suite level. Um, obviously, two very, very different ends of the spectrum. Um, talk to us about that transition and, you know, what works for you and I guess what anyone that's listening to this should be aware of when thinking about that next step. 
Yeah, I think it's really important that people who are moving from the mid-level or mid-senior level up to the executive level understand the difference between being an executive and being, let's call it a vice president specifically. And, and that is a really important jump for most people to make that jump from director to VP and then that big jump from VP up to, you know, call it an S&E or, you know, a C-level VP. And I think the biggest difference really is, is being strategic versus being linear, right? Being good at your job is something we're taught to learn how to be and work hard and be industrious when we're younger. And that's a separator when we're young. It really, you know, we have to out hustle and out and out think people that are doing our jobs to get advanced, right? But I think when you start to ascend, you're now dealing with a different level of sophistication. You're dealing with people, you're helping other people be better than yourself, right? It's not about you anymore. It's about helping your team. It's about structuring and function, functioning as a team. And it's about helping other people kind of see that pathway. It's also when it comes to marketing, most I would say specifically. It's learning that really marketing's functionality beyond building brands, which we all want to do, really has to support the need to drive revenue and think strategically beyond, you know, what KPIs you might have always assumed to be the most important. So I think it's kind of a it's it's a broad way and I think a kind of chunky way of saying that it really comes down to being more strategic as you get older and get more advanced in your career and being able to be a better team player and also lift everybody up. I've always kind of said, like in the beginning, you start managing top down at the back, at the end of your career, kind of the, you hit that kind of executive point, you start really lifting people up from underneath them. You get underneath them and lift them so they can get visual, they can be visible, their thoughts are heard. You're encouraging others to also welcome those thoughts and you're creating an, you know, call it an inclusionary environment for people to be heard, be thinking out loud and be working better as a team. That's what changes a business's outcome. And I think that level of strategy is really what separates people as they start to grow in their career, whether you're capable of understanding that or you're still pretty focused on what you do specifically and how you personally can make an impact. I think the impacts differ when you come when it comes to the end of that, that kind of change in your career point. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Uh, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, how what do you think? In your, I guess, uh, opinion and through the roles that you've worked in, is, is the secret ingredient to actually building a successful marketing team? Because it's one thing, you know, being a VP, making that jump, getting to C-suite. In some cases, you'll actually need to build out a team beneath you. In some cases, you'll be inheriting a team. But either way, what, what would you think is the kind of one one main thing that those that are taking that transition need to think about when they're building out a, a marketing team? Yeah, I think it's all, like building any team, right, is is really – marketing is no different than probably building a, a football team. I think it's a complement yeah. of skill and skill and diversity and thinking. And you're looking for people, I think, that really not only can complement your style as a leader and your, and also see under help build your vision, but I also think you're looking for people that can work well in building a complement to each other as well. So, you know, I think it depends on the nature of the business that you're in. So for – for example, when I was in Los Angeles, I knew that the, the vice president of marketing I was looking for at that time had a very discernible set of skills because they had, you know, one of our most important goals at that moment was to raise our game when it came to the marketing of season ticket sales and the growth of that business. So when I looked for someone that really could identify as someone that I had seen previously historically that understood that business, I was very simply looking for someone like Patrick Arthur who had done that in Miami and done a really outstanding job of using content and I would say performance marketing to drive those opportunities. I had recognized what I needed and was able to identify people that had really 
you know, wonderful skills that were, were really ready for the next step in their career. And I was really pleased to be able to provide it to them. So I think also the pairing of, of someone like him with another type of leader like John Torres, who ran our sales department, they were both fantastically talented. They were both great team people and they wanted to build something together. So for me, it was a, I was able to step away from that and step back a little bit and let them be outstanding on their own. So hopefully they would say the same thing about the way that we all kind of coalesced. But the reality was, is that you're looking for, I think, complement skill in, per, in personality and also professional capabilities, um, not only for yourself, but for the people that need to work together to better the opportunity for the organization. Just before moving on to the, the hot seat, Steve, um, sports marketing has obviously evolved a lot over the past 10 years. What do you foresee for the future of, of marketing in sports? Um, obviously, a number of different avenues you can go down there, right, in terms of technology. I know that you're currently advising Imagine AR and AR as a service platform and AI and, and that you know whole world that we only really know uh, a small amount of. Um, where do you see the future going for marketing within sports? It's an, it's an incredible question with probably a wealth of answers. Hopefully I'll provide at least one astute one. But I think the biggest thing I'd say about sports right now is that really it's resembling of a broader discussion around culture and how culture is affecting, I think, not only marketing and the marketer's purview as to how to reach audiences, but there's a wealth of other passions that I think are also emerging at the same time as sports is growing in this in this in this landscape. So I think that obviously we're seeing the growth of the metaverse and Web3 play a role in how people interact with sport and how athletes themselves engage. I think social was obviously, you know, in, imperative over the last 10 to 12 years of growing our, our relationship with the athlete and letting them showcase their personalities in a way that we'd never been able to, to see before. Getting under the helmet or behind the lens has always been kind of a goal of a, of a content universe of a team or a network to try to show you who, or a league to show you who these athletes are, but their social platforms finally gave us a real capability to, to see them as individuals. I think that's only going to continue to grow I think that the nature of experiences that people want to have both at sporting events or with sports, even at home, is going to grow and swell and change based on the use of technology. And I think it's just going to continue to emerge as something as a function of culture. I think other things are going to become very important also. Music, entertainment, um, live experiences of different types will also kind of, I would say, probably cloud the landscape a bit and give brand marketers the ability to, to use a lot of weapons and not just sports as a pathway to audiences. But uh, I would definitely tell you there's not going to be any substitute probably any time in our lifetime for live sporting events, just because, you know, ever since the Romans entered the Colosseum and began, right, entertaining, them, entertaining each other through the lens of sport, and probably even before that, right, I think all the way to now, we just view the world's best athletes in our environments as something that we will always want to be a part of. There'll be something important to us, how we learn about them, how, we, how they grow and develop their personalities and their skills. Is something that we're always going to find valuable and it's always going to be a place where marketers want to be right to, right. to leverage against that that passion right so i think it's an, it's an exciting future um won't speculate as to how it you know from a league or football or soccer or whatever it gets to be popular but i will say this um the united states america and and specifically los angeles and these environments over the next six to eight years are going to be incredible with the growth of you know copa 24 the world cup and the Olympics, you know, it's it's setting out to be a pretty incredible sports universe that we're all going to be living in in this country, and obviously the world for for the next few years. It'll be interesting to see what what the world is like by 2030 when all of that is kind of passed. So 
I, I'd say that uh, some sports are going to be off into better places than others by that point. Yeah, food for thought, to say the least, uh, for all you marketers out there. Uh, nice. Uh, so moving on to the hot seat, Steve, um, a round of a uh, quick fire, would you rather? Uh, let's see where your uh, where your allegiances lie. Um, so we're kicking off. Football or baseball? Football. Florida or California? Mm. Florida, because it's home. Okay. Uh, social media marketing or televised marketing? Oh, social media marketing. Nice. NFL Super Bowl or the NHL Stanley Cup? Oh, that's a tough one. Two big loyalties of mine. Um, <laughs> I'll still, I'll, I'll probably lean the easy route on this one and say the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, augmented reality or virtual reality? Ooh, good question. I, I want to say AR. I think it's going to have broader applications in the future. Okay. Uh, Rihanna at the Super Bowl or Beyonce at the Super Bowl? Ooh. <laughs> good question can i say dre and snoop at the super bowl and just answer oh, it that way for, for sure for sure okay <laughs> good stuff and last but not by no means least uh forsyth barnes or anyone else oh come on man forsyth barnes all the way <laughs> love it steve thanks so much for joining the session it's been a, a great conversation i'm sure there's a lot that uh the listeners and people can take from this so thanks so much oh thanks for having me i appreciate it Thanks, everyone, for watching. Um, next week, we've got a partnership sales leader who's worked for two of New York's biggest properties uh, in the Yankees and the Nets and has since taken a leap into the world of esports. So we'll be talking about how esports has provided a different dynamic in sports and what we can expect from the industry in the future. I'll see you then.